0: Thank you for listening to this podcast message from Stone Presbyterian Church. This message was given by Pastor Bob Sandler.
1: One of the phrases I've had to adjust to, using the, the phrases we say here in Northeast Ohio, is people here say, no worries. I had never heard that before. And it's just something we say when something goes wrong. Have you ever turned around because you think you might have cut somebody off in the checkout line or at the gas pump, and you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, did I... No, no worries. It's nice when people say that. I'm glad they weren't worried about that. I I often, I think, worry about those things maybe more than other people do, but it's reassuring to know that in our Midwestern sensibility, we're okay with that. And it's a great phrase that we share with people that we want to put people at ease. But as we've learned in the book of Romans and as we've learned about the church in Rome, there are reasons that people worry. As we look at the world around us, there are reasons that we worry. So today we're going to look at a familiar passage, a very familiar passage, a verse that all of you probably know, even if you didn't know where it was found, Romans eight twenty-eight, and we're going to go through verse 30. It's one of those passages that ties in with the undercurrent of the book of Romans, and it's the prevalence of sin. The reason we worry, the reason we have concerns, fears, hardships, even as we prayed this morning is because sin hurts us. It hurts us with what goes on around us, within us. Something we've done or said comes back in the middle of the night and we just wince at the thought of it. Something someone else has done that's affected our lives or affected someone else we love and hurt them and we're upset with the person who's hurt our our loved one. It's life in a sinful world and sin has painful byproducts. It has cost Sin has consequences. And Paul reminds us that while sin produces suffering and we live in a world filled with it, we are able to overcome and even change the world and ourselves and the world we live in through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the adoption and victory we have in Christ Jesus, as we've been learning in the book of Romans. God is at work and he grants us victory. He is for us. He is with us. And as we'll see, God's going to remind us that if that's the case, then who can be against us as we continue in the book of Romans? We're going to see God at work. But first we must consider that familiar passage today, Romans eight twenty eight, as we're going to read, when God says that, God, that he works all things for the good. And that all things truly means all things. How could God do that? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever had something hard happen in your life and someone will say, well, everything happens for a reason. And honestly, you have thought about it. You've said, how can there be a reason that God would allow this? If God's in control, if he loves me, why would this happen? I'm sure right now, even as I say this, you're thinking about something. Maybe there's times when you've struggled with this, and as we're going to see, that's okay. God is at work even in the midst of that struggle. So we're going to look here in a moment at this passage, and then we're going to look at a video clip right after it. And the video clip is after a movie. I'd like to say I was smart enough to come up with this. I love movies. I have a friend that's a pastor, and he actually said, hey, use this clip. It's a perfect one for this passage. And, I, and it actually, the book that it comes from was written by M. Night Shyamalan. You guys know that guy? And he did a movie, Signs. Does anybody remember the movie, Signs? Okay, so if you don't know the movie Signs, we're going to look at a clip right after our passage this morning. And in the movie, there are these uh, lights in the sky, 14 mysterious lights around the earth, and they're not sure what's going on. They're afraid it might be an alien invasion. And it's, it's kind of a thriller. It's a scary movie. I don't like scary movies. Today's my daughter's birthday. She loves scary movies. I do not. Like, if I want to watch scary movies or scary TV, I put on, like, CNN. Like, that's scary TV for me. I just, personally... For me, C-SPAN, like when I see people that we elect saying things, and I'm like, ugh, oh, I, I, that, that scares me. That's my idea of a horror film, okay? right? I just don't watch scary movies, but I like the movie Science because I like sci-fi movies, and it's kind of in the vein of old school sci-fi movies, and the main character that Mel Gibson plays, he's actually a, a guy who's a former Anglican priest. So he's a pastor, but he's no longer serving, He's not he's not serving as a clergyman, he's He's devastated in his life, and as the movie unfolds, you find that he lost his wife in a horrific accident. It's an accident that's affected many people. It affected the other person involved in this this accident um, that, that took his wife's life, and it's affected his whole family. His children have issues. One of them has a serious health concern, like it's like a, an asthma, like a, uh, where they can't breathe. The other kid has like a, uh, an obsessive-compulsive problem where. She drinks water and then leaves the glasses like half full everywhere around and just can't drink any more of it. She says it's not right. And he has his brother, that's younger brother, is living with him who was a failed baseball player who was great but just couldn't lay off a pitch. He just felt like he had to swing away at everything. And it, and it, it kind of ruined his... So all these people have, have all these hurts, all these brokenness, all this damage... And as they're all sitting here wrestling and gripping with their own, you know, wrestling with what's hurt their lives, the things that have happened, this life-changing, globe-altering event happens where it seems like this alien invasion, and in the midst of it, they have to wrestle with what's happened in their lives. Is God out there? Does God do anything really for the good? Does God do anything for the good? And As we're going to see, they're going to find that even at the end of the movie, they find that even the the painful things in their lives, the horrible things, the things they felt were their greatest weaknesses actually end up being powerfully transformative. And at the end of the movie, Mel Gibson's character ends up, we see him preparing to go into worship and putting on his vestments that he's going to go serve in church and that he's found his faith once again. It's a very interesting movie if you haven't seen it, but it is kind of like one of those thriller, hand on your shoulder. It's, if you've ever seen it, you know what I mean. It's, yeah, it's a scary movie, but it's a great movie in some ways. And so this passage today we're going to look at is going to ask us to consider what Romans 8, 28 through 30 teaches us. Are there coincidences in our lives? Do all the things in our lives really happen as a part of God's plan? We're going to look at that this morning. But first, let's read Romans 8, 28 through 30, a familiar passage. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to God so as we look at that passage of God's at work, we're going to now look at this passage. Is God really good? Is God really at work? Is God really at work? If he loves us and he's working out the good for, us, for the, those of us that love him, the good for us, our hope today is like the characters we're going to see in this movie clip, we realign ourselves, we get our hearts in line with what God teaches, a biblical perspective on God's goodness, on God's providing for us, even through the painful and harsh and even horrible things that happen to us? Is God at work, and do we see that in our lives? Let's watch this clip. You might have to turn the volume up a little, guys.
0: Some people are probably thinking this is the end of the world. It's true. You think it could be? Yes. How can you say that? That wasn't the answer you wanted. Couldn't you pretend to be like you used to be? (laughs) Give me some comfort. People break down into two groups. When they experience something lucky, Group number one sees it as more than luck, more than coincidence. They see it as a sign, evidence that there is someone up there watching out for them. Group number two sees it as just pure luck, a happy turn of chance. I'm sure the people in group number two are looking at those 14 lights in a very suspicious way. For them, this situation is a 50-50 Could be bad. Could be good. But deep down, they feel that whatever happens, they're on their own. And that fills them with fear. Yeah, there are those people. But there's a whole lot of people in the group number one. They see those 14 lights. They're looking at a miracle. And deep down, they feel that whatever's going to happen... there'll be someone there to help them. And that fills them with hope. See, what you have to ask yourself is, what kind of person are you? Are you the kind that sees signs, sees miracles? Or do you believe that people just get lucky? Or, look at the question this way... Is it possible that there are no coincidences.
1: You have to ask yourself, what kind of person are you? Are you the kind of person that sees signs, that sees miracles, that sees God at work? Or are you the kind of person that thinks it's all just luck, random causality and chance, and could be bad, it could be good? The question is in life, whether things are good or whether they're bad. Do you believe that there are no coincidences? It's a powerful clip. I know it's a, it's a kind of a quirky sci-fi silly, but think about it. in the most horrific times, the most frightening, the most unsettled times in life, you see there the younger brother saying, you know, just be like you used to be. Give me some hope. Give me, just tell me what you, well, you know, he says, is this the end of the world? And Mel <laughs> well, Gibson's character says, could be. And then he he really gives him that perspective. Which way do you see the world around us? Which way? The term that we use to describe this, Romans is a very doctrinal biblical book, is the idea of God's providence. God's providence. And this is built on the idea of God as the creator and sustainer God. He created all things. He's over and above all things. He has foreknowledge. He understands. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He is sovereign. He is Lord over all things. So he's using those things, even the painful and difficult things, that because he is good and he's God, he's working them out. He's working them out. This idea that God is at work. There's purpose, there's symmetry, and there's uniformity to our world. Even though it's broken by sin, God still rules and reigns over that sin. And since he loves us as a father... Since he calls us and adopts us, as we've seen in the book of Romans, as we talked about, as his children, he does bless us because he loves us. Even in the moment when we don't understand what God's doing, look here at this passage from Isaiah 46. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind. Isaiah Israel was dealing with a lot of difficulty and hardship. Recall it to mind. You transgressors, he goes. You're sinners. That's what transgressors means. He says. But remember, the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Think about that. God, from the very oldest times in Scripture, says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, i the beginning and the end. I was before all things, I'll be at the end of all things. I can see to the end of time, I saw before time itself began, I created it. Things that have not yet even come to pass, I have it. And what I have decided, my counsel, what I have decided will work out for the good, will work out for the good, and I will redeem the world. I will redeem all things. That's God's purpose. He makes that clear, and he says, I'm going to do it. God provides, he sustains, he grows, he transforms, he takes even the worst things and can use them for the greatest blessing. He is a God of providence. What does that look like in this familiar passage? We know that God works out all things for the good of those who love him. We're going to look at some of those terms here briefly today. First of all, the idea, first we know. We know that God works all things for good, we know. Just as you saw in that passage in Isaiah, there is an absoluteness in this. It's not we think, we hope, we wait, we figure out it's more. He says, no, with certainty, with faith, we know that God is going to do it. Even when we don't understand it, even when we can't see it, like we saw in the clip from the movie today, we have to believe it is true. It's funny because the farther we go in life and the more we endure, and the more hardship as our faith grows, it's not that it's easier, but we find following God to be more of an ingrained part of our lives, more of a practice. It doesn't mean things hurt us any less, that when we see loved ones hurting, it's any less painful, yet we have learned through the wisdom experience to see that God truly is at work. That's that spiritual knowledge of walking alongside God. It helps us to understand, to understand. I was riding the other day. I took my first Uber ride the other day. It's kind of scary, right? Imagine pulling up to pick me up in an Uber, what you must think. You're like, look at that guy. So, so I had to get some work done on my truck I got. I was getting a little work done, so it was over at a place getting some electronic stuff done to it. So I left it there, and the the guy pulls up and picks me up. If you never use Uber, it's pretty cool. So this guy just pulls up in his car. I have his picture and his license plate, and it says, make sure it's not a serial killer, that indeed you're you're being picked up by Jared, the Uber guy. So Jared picks me up. Jared's an older guy in his little Kia, and he drives me to the church here for Fantastics. And we start chatting, and it was kind of fun. I'm talking to this nice guy, and he's explaining to me. uh, He said, where do you live? I said, Monroe Falls. He said, wow, man, I remember when they had the horrible tornado in Monroe Falls. Anybody remember this? Yeah, I, I didn't know that we had had the great tornado of Monroe Falls. That was exciting for me to learn. And he was talking about how he actually, uh, Jared the Uber guy, used to be Jared the Carnival guy. So Jared the Carnival guy explained to me, he's a real nice man, Explained to me how they were supposed to leave, and he didn't know what I was preaching on this week or anything. He said, "How we were supposed to leave in the middle of the night. We had to go off and run the carnival somewhere else. And the the gentleman that ran it called us all up. He said, don't come over. There's bad storms coming. We're not going to leave. We're going to leave early in the morning instead. And he said, some of us were worried because we need to get there and get everything set up, make sure it's safe, and, you know, that's safe for everybody to use. And he said, you know how the stereotypes go with that? I said, sure. He said, so we were worried. He said, until the next morning when we got up, And we realized that we would have been driving through Monroe Falls at the exact time that that storm, according to the news, had hit. He goes, and it was chilling for us as we drove through the next morning on our way out of town to go do our jobs to realize we would have been there at that exact moment. He said, and we heard and we were worried for the people that we saw who had lost part of their house. There would be a house with some of the siding off, a house with windows blown out, and then a house that was gone. He said, and we saw it dotted up the road as we drove, and he said it was, it was an eerie feeling. He said, but I knew, and he, he talked to me, he knew I worked at the church, he said, I knew that God was with us, but I knew God was with those other people too, even though it had been hard for them. And it just, for all of us in different ways, I'm sure, he said it put, us in, put life into perspective. We know that God is at work, whether we're the person whose house got devastated or whether we're the person driving through. We have different perspectives, but do we know, do we see that God is at work? That God's in the midst of those things. Do we know that God is at work? I find as life goes on, we sometimes can look back and we can say, yeah, whatever we thought would be wonderful, maybe that wouldn't have been. Maybe it was a relationship we were going to be in, a job we were going to get, a job that we lost, a physical illness. Maybe it's something we did wrong, hurt us and hurt others. But maybe through that experience, God changed us and changed others. And through time, we are able to look back and say, yeah, God's at work. God's in the midst of that, and we can know. But even in the dangerous and destructive and the terrible moments in life with relationships, with our physical well-being, whatever it is, those chance random things that seem to just happen, do we see that God is at work? Do we know that God is in the midst of even those times and that he's at work and he's working them out for good? Do we know that for good? When he experiences things that aren't good, Paul tells us that there is a certain outcome that God has control of and that he's going to even take those things and work them out for good. For us in life, no matter what we endure, no matter how hard it is, the hope of heaven awaits us. Paul's been taking a lot of time to tell us that, that whatever we experience in this life, we know in the life to come, things will be better. And sometimes that's the the reassurance we have. We're facing something so difficult, that's what we're holding on to. I think of the people we pray for that are dealing with serious illness. Sometimes that's all you're holding on to. And I don't want to make light of that. We do know ultimately, no matter what we endure this life, whatever what we go through in this life, God will work out for good because eternity is going to be perfect. And that's not just trite, that's what God's Word teaches us. But since God is good, since God is in control, He is that God of providence that's at work. The outcome of what He does for us is certainly good. Maybe we don't see it right now in our lives. Maybe we won't even see it all in the time to come. We'll see some of it, but we know ultimately when we get to eternity, we'll see all of it. And that eternal perspective that God indeed loves us and is working things out for the good, it's very important. We know that Christ will return we know the world will be redeemed. We know that what God promised in Isaiah, that He does have His plans and they will be fulfilled, that there is hope both in what happened before time began and what happens when time itself will end. God is at work. It's important that we remember that no matter what happens today, that our hope of heaven is secure. And those who don't have that hope and those who don't have that reassurance, who figure it could be chance, like it said in the clip, 50-50. What tends to grip them is not hope and faith, but hurt and fear. Have you ever noticed that? Those who live outside of faith, you can trace this generationally, as America becomes less and less committed to faith, that people have less of a biblical foundation. Panic, fear, anxiety... Rise with every generation. Have you seen that? You can look it up statistically. Don't take my word for it. In the vacuum where faith is meant to occupy, fear always creeps in. Always. Do we know that God is working out all things for good? Because if you have that faith, if you have that reassurance that the loving eternal God of redemption is at work, it should change the way you live your life i have the incredible honor as a pastor of walking through people sometimes through the darkest parts of their lives sometimes they get better from those things sometimes they don't but the faith that i see you people live out it's staggering it's humbling There are stories I can tell you from the churches I've served, from the time I was a young guy till now. I am humbled by the faithfulness I see people live out. And if you don't think that changes lives, it does. When you know that God is at work, that He is working those things out for good, that He loves us and He's at work, it changes how we live, even in the most difficult and desperate of times. God's working. Not just some things, but all things. All things. People who live in anger and in fear, that want to even the score, that feel that they need their pound of flesh to justify that, that are caught and consumed by that, that don't have that faith and that eternal perspective, they see some things as good, some things as bad. They see a lot of things as indifference. But the question we have to ask today is, Will we rely more on our faith and who God is and what he promises, even if it's coming tomorrow, than for what we feel and experience today or what we felt and experienced yesterday? One perspective leads to faith and hope and the other leads to hurt and anger. One leads us to look forward in our lives and one causes us to only look backward. One brings us life and the other slowly kills us from the inside out. One lets us see that all things, even the horrible things, and they are painful, God's at work in even those. Because he's a loving God. He's a gracious God. And God's grace means that the horrific events, and they are, they can truly have holy outcomes for us and for other people. And with eyes of faith, we can see that. All things. Let's be honest, this passage flies in the face of our natural feelings. Of wanting to have things feel right and controlled. Of us feeling like we should be on the throne. That we know better and that God doesn't really care. And he doesn't really understand. Because if he did, he'd be doing it our way. That's okay. I felt like that, too. We've all felt like that. When you sit with someone when they get a bad diagnosis, when you're in hospice with someone, it's okay. Because the hurt and the pain and the death and the sickness and the sorrow, the reason you're rebelling against that is because it's not the way God designed the world to be. Sin and pain and death and darkness were not the way God designed this world to be. But because sin has entered in, God had a plan from before time, and he was going to even reveal himself through that redemption, and he does. But God says, will you trust me that I'm even going to use this, all of this, for your good? It's hard. It takes faith beyond what we have. I remember sitting, the young man from our youth ministry, his name was Brandon, Brandon. Brandon thought he had bronchitis and pneumonia. He came home from college and found out he had stage four cancer. He'd been on the track team. He was an athlete. He played different sports. He was a really fit kid. And I remember going and visiting with him and coming and going with him multiple times at the hospital as he got sicker and sicker, and he passed away. And I remember sitting with some of my students who were now young adults and in college, and I was no longer serving that church. I was in seminary, serving in another church far away from there. And I drove back to the funeral, and some of them just wanted to come in with me. they said, how can God use all of this for good? I remember one of the students I knew well sitting with me and pounding the table. How could God use this for good? We were in a side room, and Brandon's mom heard. And she came in, and she said, I didn't know Jesus Christ. Until I saw my son walk with Christ through this. That's good. All of Brandon's classmates came to the funeral as adults. The vast majority of them came. And they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone from his school heard about Jesus at his funeral. That's good. Some people changed their lives because of that. People got to know each other and love and care for each other who didn't know each other before. That's good. Do I still understand why God did it that way? No way. Did God bring good out of it? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. The entirety of our Christian life, the entirety of the gospel, where God takes some of the most unjust, horrific, and gruesome events in our lives, reminds us of the most horrific event in human history, that God uses the cross of Jesus Christ, the most horrible, the most unjust event in history, to change human destiny. All things work together. God knowing this, God having the sovereign power over it, it allows him A depth of understanding that our finite human hearts and minds don't have. He has perspective. He's from before time till the end of it. He has that perspective that I don't have. He doesn't just see the one moment, the one grain of sand that is my life. He sees all of redemptive history and how it works together. There is sequence in life according to God's plans and not mine and not yours. Cleveland fans don't like to hear people in sports talk about the idea of trusting the process. I understand. I'm a diehard Cavaliers fan. I watched the NBA draft this week, and they drafted a guy that had played five games, and I said, oh, geez, he's only played five games. Jeez. I'm the only one, apparently, that cares about the calves since LeBron left. That's good to know. Okay. Uh, but, you know, think about that. You can get pretty jaded by what happens in life, and when things go poorly, you can start to expect more of the same, right? The official blog for Cleveland Sports is called Factory of Sadness. Did you know that? It's an awesome blog, actually. I appreciate the... The, uh, the, you know, Pittsburgh fans appreciate the, the resilience of Cleveland fans. It, it's hard when you've not been a winner forever. I know. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I couldn't resist. But think about that. Had to make it a little lighter. This is a heavy sermon, right? But think about that it takes time to see God at work. It takes time to see that all things are working together for the good. Because a lot of things we go through, even years later, if we do start looking back, we don't want to get stuck looking back, but we think, that's still horrible. And it is. It's still horrible, and it still won't make sense. But do we trust that God will work all those things in sequence, in plan, and in purpose out for the good of the whole, not just the parts in our human finite understanding that we can see. And this is why we struggle. Do you and I as sinful people really know what's good? Do we? No matter how much I study God's word, no matter how much I seek God and minister to him, I am a flawed, sinful human being. I think the older I get, I don't feel holier. I feel a lot more messed up. I don't know if I'm more messed up than I used to be. Maybe I'm just more aware of it. That's okay. But as I am aware of that, I am so aware of how good and holy and powerful God is. I cannot imagine standing in God's presence and asking him to explain himself to me. In my anger, I want to. I may even yell it out to him. But as life goes on and as I reflect and as I learn to walk alongside of him, as I learn to follow, I recognize. I don't know. Teacher comes to Jesus, rich young ruler, this guy that's very powerful, wants everybody to like him. He says to Jesus, hey, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Jesus turns and both teaches and questions his heart at the same time. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Jesus is God. He's saying that. He wants the Pharisees to understand they don't know. They don't know. The guy on TV that sells millions of books and Is a great preacher. He may be a great preacher. Far beyond the guy you have standing in front of you, and that's fine. That's great. I, I listen to those guys, and I'm in awe, too, and God uses them. He's not perfect. I'm not. Next preacher someday won't be. Do we understand that our thoughts, our perspectives, our feelings, our understanding of the world around us. God guides us, he uses us, he reveals truth to us, but he alone is truth, he alone is goodness, and he alone is knowledge. For the rest of us that he talks about, the book ends in this passage, those, that's us. Those who love God. Those who are called. God puts that love in our hearts God calls us us out of our our sin into redemption. Those people were called to be conformed to Christ's likeness, to be more like Jesus, and to love and to care and to trust and obey our Father as Jesus did. And this gets us back to the central idea in Romans it's a, a matter of our heart, of our souls, our perspective that depth of our being the way we see the world and so friends for us the question is does my heart love what god loves and do i love god enough that i want to live for him i want to follow him and obey him and i want to trust him i'm going to give everything i can to trust him even when it's so painful that i don't know what he's doing do our lives reflect our love for god do we understand that we are called according to his purpose. The rest of this passage reminds us that God has a plan. He has a purpose. It's loving. It's redemption. It's in sequence. It has an order. It has a structure. It starts and it moves through our lives and beyond us to the next generation of the church of Jesus Christ until he comes again. This order of salvation, the fancy term for that order salutis, that Pastor types and those that really want to wow you in their Bible studies will use. That's what we learn here. In the next couple chapters, next basically three chapters in Romans, this is going to get laid out for us. Those who he foreknew, God knew, before their birth. We learn beginning of God's word all the way through the book of Revelation, he also predestined. Sorry people that believe you choose Jesus, not in the Bible. He also predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son. In order that he might, Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. Jesus wants us to be in his family. We are adopted as we've learned in Romans. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Before time began, he said, you belong to me. And in his perfect timing, he called you and said, here I am. I can explain scripture to people ten different ways. And they'll say, I don't get it. And all of a sudden they'll come up and say, I read this book and this made sense. And I'm like, dang it, why didn't I tell you about that? But it's not me, it's not just the book, it's that Holy Spirit we learned about that reveals and leads us into all truth. Remember, we just learned that? God's Spirit calls you, and those whom He called, He justifies by Christ's sacrifice, that most horrific event in human history. And those whom He justified, He also glorified that we will rise again, we'll have that hope of eternity. God has purpose, order, and symmetry to everything He's doing in your life, and even the painful things will be worked out for the good. So, friends, the question today is simple What kind of people are we? Do we see the events of life as random, painful, unsatisfying, unrelated, and useless? Do they instill us with fear? Do we only live in the pain? Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad. Don't know. Or do we see them as God's way of conforming us to be more like Jesus, using us in even the painful times to reveal God's power that holds us up, even in the painful times, that shows other people that Christ indeed is real and he's at work in our lives. Jesus, who knew suffering we can never imagine, And he used that suffering to make the greatest difference in human history. That God set this redemptive plan in motion that we're all a part of for the good of all things. What can we say in faith? That whatever we encounter in our lives, whether we lose our job, whether we lose a loved one, our health, whether someone has hurt us so deeply, whatever we've encountered, can we trust in faith that God will bless us that he will use all things for good that he will use even the painful things in our lives to bless our kids and our grandkids do we trust and believe that all of this is for the good of us who love God and who are called to be his children let's pray God that we would in our own lives whether this is a time of great blessing a time of great pain and difficulty that we would have those eyes of faith to see that you are indeed at work that you love us that you call us that you want to be our children you want to be our father and we as our children as your children can trust you god that we can see that you're at work whether our own kids are hurting whether our own lives are hurting that though we struggle though we ask you questions and it's fine we come to you and say god i i don't understand That we would walk with you in faith, that we would wait upon you. Maybe we understand soon after. Maybe it takes a long time. Maybe it's one of those questions we wait to ask you in, in heaven. Wherever we find ourselves today in that continuum, that we would indeed have eyes of faith, that you would hold us up by your Spirit, that we would see that you are using even the painful things to make us more like Jesus, more able to serve, more able to love more able to trust you and to see you at work. God, that you indeed will use all things for the good of those who are called to love you, to serve you, and to glorify you in our lives. Whether it's a great time or a painful time, I pray all this in Jesus' mighty name.